Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. The psalmist said, How amiable are thy thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. He's saying, that's my house, is your altars. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. Salah there in the King James, that's a musical pause. That's just to let them know to pause the music there. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca maketh it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Salah. Behold our God, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Hallelujah. I want to preach for a few minutes tonight in route to the courts of God. In route to the courts of God. Father, I thank you and bless you tonight for the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that you've been filling us and filling us and filling us and filling us. And Lord, we know it's not exempted us from life here on earth, but God, you've given us uh, glory and strength and grace, and we thank you for it. We ask again tonight, Lord, that we may uh, get what we long for, the very courts of God, that we may come into your presence there, uh, Lord, as you have told us to come. And I pray that you bless us as we hear this word. Let it be a strength and an encouragement to each one of us. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. Amen. The word amiable is friendly or pleasant. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. And you see the psalmist here. This is probably not a psalm of David, uh, but a psalm perhaps of Asaph. And uh, he's written this, of course, to the chief musician. And he begins to say, My soul longeth, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out. For the living God. Now, when we think about the courts of God in relationship to where we are and, and just where we live and what we, how we relate to God in the new covenant, you know, the courts of God are just as close as our prayer closet. The courts of God is just as close as our worship time driving down the road or here in the house of God just stepping into the presence of the Lord. The courts of God are are just near. But the children of Israel, when they spoke about the courts of God, they're speaking about a particular location. 
They're speaking about the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And all of Israel, one of the things that they say is, let us go up now to Jerusalem. Because wherever you are, when you go to Jerusalem, you have to go up. Jerusalem sits there upon the hills, and, and uh, it's there in those high places. And it's going to be exalted even higher when Jesus comes. He's going to lift up that mountain that Jerusalem sits on, and it's going to be even a higher mountain. Uh, even some prophets say that, uh, that it's going to be the highest mountain in the world. And so uh, they're going up. They're going for a location. They're looking for a place. And for them in that day, in that hour, they're looking for the place where God dwells. They're looking for the place where the presence of God is. I thought, my, I couldn't imagine coming to a particular location in a particular place and knowing that, that just behind that veil is the, the Shekinah glory of God, that blue flame of God. There in the holies of holies where the mercy seat was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant and the angels were sitting with their wings facing one another, those angels that were engraved there. Right between the wings of those angels where they touched together, there was a, a flame of God. There was a fire that burned there. And it burned so hot that it was a blue flame. Have you ever seen a, a blue flame? And it burned so hot that it was a blue flame. But the, the, the you know, you want to say the magical thing, but the glorious thing about that flame is that it had no source. It was not the flame of a gas lamp. There was no fuel feeding that. It was a supernatural flame that burned by the presence of God, God himself created that flame. He, his glory was that flame, and it was his presence that was there in the holies of holies. But when I thought, man, I, I couldn't imagine going uh, you know, to a location and knowing that that flame of God is right there on the other side of that veil, but then the Spirit just jumped up inside of me and said, oh, listen, it's even better for you because that same flame uh, that at one point dwelt behind the veil uh, now burns within my heart, amen? Uh, I don't have to go to a location. I don't have to go to Jerusalem, to the temple mount uh, to the holy place and then look upon the veil that separates between me uh, the holy place. I wouldn't even have been allowed in the holy place. I, I wouldn't have even been allowed in the inner courts of the temple. I'm a Gentile. Only the Jewish men were able to go into those inner courts and then only the priests were able to go to the holy place but then only the high priest was able to go once a year behind the veil into the holies of holies. Amen. But you and I, brother and sister, have the reality of the new covenant. We have the reality of what Jesus has done. Do you remember that when Jesus hung his head there on the cross, when he cried out and said, it is finished, and, and the thunder began to roll and the lightning began to flash and the earth began to shake and quake, as the Son of Man had given His life for the world, that in the very temple that I'm talking about, that, that veil that was between the temple rent itself in two. It was rent from the top to the bottom. Amen. Not from the bottom to the top because man did not make a way to God, but God made a way to man as he tore that veil. I believe he tore the veil that separated between the court of the Gentiles and the place of the Jews. And I believe he tore the veil that separated the holies of holies that now whosoever believeth upon him can come into the very presence of God. That now, according to Hebrews 10, that we have a new and living veil that we pass through. That is 
to say, amen, the flesh of Jesus Christ, that when I pass from this side to that side, when I pass from unbelief to belief, when I pass from being a sinner to being a saint by faith in Jesus Christ, that I pass through the veil and am able to stand in the presence of the Most High God and that same flame, that same miracle, that same supernatural existence of the glory of God lives within us. Amen. Isn't it awesome to know that his glory is within you? You know, he's just a prayer away. (laughs) He's just a, a decision. Getting into the presence of God in our day is just a decision. It's a decision that we make. Man, I've got to shake off my busyness. I've got to shake off the world. I've got to shake off the things that tire me. I've got to shake off the things that distract me. God, I want to come into your presence. And there we are, right in the presence of the Lord. You know, they've been teaching, Sister Earl was telling me about the worship class, about how to come into the presence of God. We enter in with thanksgiving. And we enter in with praise. And Brother Nathaniel was talking about the great um, miracle that God did for him and supplied. Amen. Just simply replaced what the thief had taken away and, and, and brought that. But one of the, the key decisions that he made was that when he was driving down the road or when he was getting ready to talk to God and about to say, now, God, you know I've lost my phone. God, you know, uh, you know I don't have the money to replace it. God, you know the deficit that I've in, in, incurred, you know, all of that. He, he remembered what he had learned, that you can't just storm into the presence of God and start demanding things. You've got to go into those courts with thanksgiving and into those gates with praise and he stopped that natural tendency of, of wanting to run into the presence of the king and say, I need this and I need that and I need you to replace this and all of these things. He corrected himself through the knowledge he had learned. And he said, well, i got to turn this around. And he began to exalt God. He began to praise God. He began to be thankful. Did you know that every prayer you make should include thankfulness? Amen. That thanksgiving should be a part of every prayer that you pray. And so many times we go to God with all of our problems and all of the weights and and all the things that are on our life. And by the time we get finished listing all of the problems, we're more down by the time we get finished praying than we were when we started. We just start giving God all this junk, you know, that, and, and we just get weighed down. But when we begin to thank Him, what does it cause us to do? It causes us to begin, as Sister Trish said, to remunerate the blessings of God. It causes us to remember that not only do I have this problem, I've got this blessing. Not only do I have this discouragement, I've got this encouragement. Not only do I have this flesh to do with, I've got His Spirit to live within me. Not only do I have the circumstance round about me, but I've got a supernatural God that is able to change the atmosphere in my prayer closet, that's able to change the atmosphere in my car driving down the road that's able to change the atmosphere in the youth service, in the old sanctuary, that's able to change the atmosphere right here, right now, as we enter properly into his gates. Amen. I'm talking about en route to the glory or en route to the courts of God, on the way to the courts of God, on the way to the courts of God. And so as they're talking about the longing, I long for your, and even faint for the courts of my Lord. And he said that my Heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Do you know that people are looking for God? Some people don't even know that they're looking for God, but they're looking for God. Their heart and their flesh is crying out for something to fill the void. Something to, to dot the I and cross the T in their life. Something to bring to fulfillment the, you know, that the purpose of their life. 
And then he talked about the sparrow that looks for a house and the swallow a nest. And he said, Lord, basically what he says in verse 3 is that your altars, your presence, Lord, that's my house. Uh, The altars of the king, the courts of the king, the place of my God, that is my house. And then he said in verse 4, blessed are they that dwell in thy house, for they will, will be still praising thee. Amen. How often can you dwell in the house of the Lord? Well, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. No. <laughs> Amen. We bring him here. He, he doesn't just hang around in this building when you go home. God doesn't haunt empty buildings. <laughs> His glory doesn't just sit and wait from Sunday to Wednesday. He goes with you. Amen. You are the house of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's with you at work. He's with you at home. He's with you. Amen. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Don't you know the same spirit that we long for? Oh, I thank God for the corporate blessing. I thank God that when two or three come together, you know, and agree on something that he's right there in the midst, I thank God that when we come together and honor his word by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, that God begins to flow corporately upon us. But brother and sister, what happens corporately really is, is an outtake of what happens privately in our lives, of where we are and who we are, and the knowledge that we are the house of God, and we live in the house of God. We walk in the house of God. We can go to his house every day, amen, or he could come to our house every day, amen. We can get into the presence of the Lord, and he said, they that dwell in your house will still be praising you, amen, praise Praise is different than worship. Praise is an acclamation. Praise is a compliment. You can praise your children. You know, they get a good grade at school. You can praise your children, but you should never worship your children. Right? You can praise your husband, but you should not worship him. You you can praise your wife, but you should not worship your wife. And so, praise flows is an outflow from being in the presence of God. You talk about his goodness. We enter in his courts with praise, thanksgiving them praise. But we start out kind of praising God by faith. But once we encounter him, <laughs> amen, it's easy to praise him. It's easy to say you're beautiful. There's times they're leading worship and they're singing that he's wonderful and he's beautiful. And all of those things and my head knows it. And sometimes I'm, I'm singing with them those words. My spirit is, you know, my spirit's not quite feeling it just yet, although my head knows it. But man, once I encounter him, once I step into that courtroom of God, once I step there in the throne room of God, my, it, it doesn't even take a, a fleshly effort to say how beautiful he is and how wonderful he is, how righteous he is, how pure he is. All of those blessing things that come from being in the presence of God, it makes you want to be there, doesn't it? It makes you want to go. It makes your heart long. You know, Trish was talking about the miracle that God performed in in their marriage. And I think one of the great tragedies of, of, you know, many Christians, and especially us good Pentecostal folks that believe in the power of God and the moving of God, is that there's many things that happen in our life that we're too proud to testify about. There's many things that happen, many miracles that happen that we kind of keep to ourselves because we really don't want other people to know the problem existed to begin with, right? So we don't tell everything that God's done for us. We've got our, we've got our official testimony. 
We've got our formal testimony, that good testimony. You know, I just want to thank God for his presence tonight. I want to thank God that he walks with me and he talks with me. I want to thank God for his, his faithfulness into my life. And I just want to give him praise and glory. And, and I just ask you all to just pray for me that I keep on holding on until Jesus comes. You know, that's, that's the testimony, you know. I mean, that's the testimony we make when we give the opportunity to make. But there is a testimony you got inside of you that you ain't told a whole lot of people. Amen. There's, an, uh, there's a testimony that brought you from ugly to beautiful. Amen. There's a testimony that brought you from bound to free. There's a testimony that brought you out of the pit and set you on the rock. Amen. Now we learn how to give that good testimony, but the truth of the matter is God has worked a miracle in our marriages. He's worked a miracle in our relationship with our children. God's worked a miracle in our minds. Amen. He's worked a miracle in our language. He's worked a miracle in our hearts. He he found us and turned us around and set us on another path. And by the time we get to where we can talk about that good church testimony that I just thank God for his goodness, la da da da. Amen. He's done so many miracles by then that we're even able to stand up and say, I thank God that he walks with me and he talks with me day by day. I thank him for his faithfulness, amen. There's those bar room miracles that God made and there's that car wreck you should have got killed in when you were too drunk to drive or too high, but God kept you or you were driving too fast down the road. We don't like to testify about that because we don't want mom and dad to know we drove that fast and we don't want everybody else to know we broke the law Amen. But God kept us uh, through some of the things uh, that we don't talk about. uh, And you know what? We might as well go ahead and let the world know that he met us down uh, and raised us up. Amen. He kept us. He kept us. Amen. He's given us a testimony. And and I appreciate that. I know it could be a little awkward for people. Oh, man, I can't believe she said that. You know, with her husband sitting back there. But you know what? That's just real. That's just real. That's just true. And there's things in your life that God has done that you're afraid to testify about because you're afraid what other people think about you. Huh? There's things he's forgiven you that you never told anybody but God that you did, and that's okay. (laughs) You don't have to tell me everything. God knows. I don't, don't, you know, confess your sins, you (laughs) uh, you know, to him. But, you know, the miracle it took to get us here just to the place that we desire to meet with him. What a God that we serve. And there's a longing in our heart. Brother Venter's gone. Revival came before he came. Brother Venter's gone, but the truth of the matter is, we're not longing for Brother Venter to be back. We're longing to be in the presence of God. We're longing for the courts of God. We're longing there, our flesh crying out for the living God. I kind of regress there a little bit. And so... Staying in the house of God, staying in that mode of praise, staying where God is, keeping God on our mind wherever we are. Brother and sister, whenever you stop walking with him and you start walking in yourself, you're going to fall so fast. Amen. I mean, when you act like you're natural, man, we've been saved, some of us, long enough, we forgot what our natural man's like. And then we start drifting away from God, we start acting more like us than we do him. That's why when we come near to him, he begins to change us into his image. Amen. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee and whose heart are the ways the translators put of them. It's in italics. It wasn't even there. He's talking about in whose heart are are the ways of God. And then an interesting statement I, I need to talk to you about is the valley of Baca. 
who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. Uh, The word Baca means to weep. It means to weep. Now you would think, well then the valley of Baca, if if you just take that information, then we could preach a great message about those valleys that we weep in. But actually it's not talking about a place where men went into and wept. The valley of Baca was called Baca, this place to weep because of the the Baca tree that filled this valley. And the tree that was in that valley, also called Baca, it wept. It ran sap. It was a tree that ran a lot of sap and a lot of things. And so they called it the valley of, of Baca. It's not really talking about them weeping on their way to the courts of God. But there is an interesting thing about it is that the Valley of Baca uh, is a place where there were springs. And he said, the rain filleth the pools. It It was an oasis en route to the presence of God. It was an oasis en route to the courts of God. It was a place that people would stop and they knew there, there would be water. Now there's not water everywhere over there. Having traveled that land, I'll tell you, there's a lot of dry, dry places. It is amazing how that you can go at the same time, even in December, January, while I was there. Uh, we would see Mount Hermon on the north, which had snow on top of it, and, and there was moisture there. But then when you go to the south, it was desert land. Hot desert land. Snow on the mountain, hot desert land. Just down here, and just hardly anything at all growing anywhere. And there's, they tell me that only a couple months of the year, uh, usually March and April, there's rain in those areas. And so the people have, gra- have filled uh, or dug great cisterns. And I mean, when they dig cisterns in Israel, they dig huge cisterns. I mean, they're like the basement of people's houses. And, and they, they dig one in this high place where the waters first come to and then after the water gets so high in that cistern there's a square uh, exit for the water once the the cistern starts getting too full so when it gets too full it starts to exit out but they don't send it down the hill they put it right into another cistern and and then they build a third cistern and they just just let that water overfill one into the other and and the second one into the third because they want to capture that water every bit that they can even in the garden where the tomb is. Uh, there they've got a, a great cistern that fills up with water. And, and all through the year, through the dry months, they keep that place blooming with flowers and green because of the pools that were there. And it was there in the valley of Baca that people on their way to the courts of God, their heart was longing for the courts of God. Their flesh was fainting for the courts of God. But, you know, they'd get dry, they'd get tired, they'd get thirsty. But there was this valley, Baca, that they would stop into. And there was nat- natural springs of water. There was clear water there. And they began to drink from those waters. And then he went on and he said that they would go from strength to strength. You know, from that place. They go from strength to strength. From that place because they found out in that valley. And I I know it's not a literal statement, but in the spiritual. I was thinking about that and I thought, God, I want to thank you. For those springs of water that have kept me going over the years. I want to thank you, Lord, for those wells and those pools and those cisterns. I want to thank you for the valley of Baca, Lord, that has been in my life that sometimes in route 
through one of the toughest battles or in, in route to the presence of God. There's times before I ever get to the presence of God, my heart begins to faint and I get tired and weary in my resolution and I start to get distracted in those things. But God sends something like the revival we've just had and those are just spring waters for us to drink from on our way into the courts of God and the presence of God. Brother and sister, we're not just in on our way to the presence of God in this service and around the altar of the Lord, but we're on our way to the kingdom of God. We're on our way to the literal throne of God. We're on our way to where God rules and reigns, and we're going to be a part of his everlasting kingdom. But aren't you glad for those, those valleys of Baca, those places that have watered you along the way, amen, that have kept you going along the way. You might come into that valley drained and tired and faint, but you come out of that after drinking living waters. You come out of that, amen, refreshed and you go strength to strength. I believe the valley of Baca is a symbol for Jesus Christ himself. For it was Jesus that stood up in John chapter 7 on the great day of the feast and said, as any man thirsty, let him come unto me and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Are you thirsty? Come to me and, and drink and out of your belly's going to flow rivers of living water. Amen. Jesus. Jesus is our place along the way. He's that dry. When we're dry, he's, he's the living waters. The valley of Baca is a type and symbol of Christ. Well, we're on our way to meet God. Amen. We get refreshed. And it's always there. I guarantee you, you can go to the lowest spiritual times of your life and you remember it was in that time that you weren't reading your Bible. It was in that time that you really weren't praying very much. It was at that time you was kind of hitting and missing in church. Or you were there, but you weren't there. Right? You were obedient, but not willing. <laughs> in those times that you're at a distance from the Lord, you know... When you, the time you need to read the Bible is when you read it and say, man, I'm just not getting anything out of it. That's when you need to read it more than any other time. Yeah, but I'm not getting anything out of it. That's a lie. His word is seed. His word is true. His word will feed you. It will come to fruition. You might feel like you're not getting anything out of it, but the truth is that word is seeding within you, and it's going to bring something forth in your life. Amen. And those times when you go to pray and you say, man, the heavens are brass, that's when you really need to pray. That's when you really need to be there. That's when you're operating in faith. Anybody can pray when you can just, you know, whisper and get great answers. <laughs> when you just think about God and, and you know, that, that answer is right there. And, and so on their way to Zion, there were watering places. That, and they would go from strength to strength. From strength to strength. In between strength to strength, there was... Whew. But thank God for those places. And Jesus is that for us. And he said, every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Amen. How awesome. I've been, I've been in Zion. I wouldn't have known that I had passed out of Jerusalem to Zion had the guide not told us. It's right there together. And I got a picture of a, a place where they teach children, and it talked about Mount Zion Christian school or something like that, and, and I just took a picture of it just so I'd remember the next several pictures came from Mount Zion. And there's the Tower of David there. 
on Mount Zion, and there's the upper room there on Mount Zion. It was on Mount Zion where the Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. The uh, tomb of David is down below uh, that area and was buried there, uh, David the king, there on Mount Zion. Mount Zion is still there, and we're going to live there someday. But right now, we are the church. We are Zion. And so he says this, God, hear my prayer. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. We like to say a thousand elsewhere. This isn't the only place that statement was made. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wickedness, of wickedness. A doorkeeper, that's a pretty lowly spot, isn't it? I mean, that's not... You know, when you go to a hotel, the general manager is not the one who opens the door for you. There's, there's a doorkeeper, a nice hotel. There's a doorkeeper that's there. You go to the big cities and those nice hotels, and there's somebody there to open the door for you. They're there for your protection. They're there to make sure that nobody that doesn't belong there comes and stays there or they create any problem there. And, and so he says, first of all, a day in your courts is better than a thousand Brother Eric, they didn't get to go into the house of God just whenever they wanted to. They had to journey to get there. They had to seek. They had to pursue. They had to persist. They had to make a trip and and just get into the place of God. And then he said, man, just that day. (laughs) That day in your place is better than a thousand. And then he said, I would rather have the lowest place in the house of God than to live in the tents of wickedness. See, some people are choosing to be a big guy in the game, to be big in the eyes of the world, to be associated with the things of the world. But he said, man, I'd rather have the lowest spot in the house of God. Amen. I like that. I was thinking, it just popped into my mind about when the children of Israel were returning the the, uh, Ark of the Covenant to Israel. Remember that when they had put it on a new cart, and uh, a, an oxen stumbled, and uh, Uz, I believe it was, or Uzziah, stepped out and reached out with his hand, and he touched the ark, and he died because he had mishandled the presence of God. He didn't have the authority to touch that ark. And, and then, so they went over, and they took it to, uh, what was his name? They, who? Obed-Edom, Yes. They took it over to the house of Obed-Edom. And uh, the Ark of the Covenant was there. David stopped it right there when uh, Uzziah died because he said, man, something's wrong. We're, we're doing a right thing the wrong way. <laughs> something's wrong. And, and so he leaves it there in the house of Obed-Edom. And then uh, while, while that's over there, David begins to get the Levites together and they begin to search out the Scripture. How do we move the Ark of the Covenant? How do we handle the glory? How do we handle the presence? we got to make sure we handle that the way God said to handle it. And while they're trying to figure that out, the house of Obed-Edom is prospering. It's getting blessed. Oh, man, the presence of God is with them. I think it was there for some time. It's, I want to say two or three years, but it, it may have been months, six months or so. But it, the time that it was there, his house began to prosper. There was blessing there because the presence of God was there. And so then they find out how to move it. 
And they go and they get and they put it on the shoulders of the Levites like they were supposed to. And David begins to sacrifice and dance. And he took off his outer garments and in the ephod, his, uh, you know, just that under garment, the ephod, kind of like a little robe, very thin, that he would dance and twirl and uh, give God praise and glory. And his wife said, man, if you're the king of Israel, how are you acting like this? She said, you're, you're making a fool of yourself. He said, you ain't seen anything yet. You think, I'm, you think I'm worshiping now. You just wait. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really cut loose, you know. And uh, interesting thing, his wife became barren. See, she rebuked the worship of another person. She judged the worship of another person. And she became barren. People who, who refuse to worship become barren. She never bore a child. But then uh, as David began to bring that, there's an interesting thing. Because later in the scripture, you see Obed-Edom. And they're talking about the choirs and the musicians and everybody in Jerusalem. And they list Obed-Edom. And then a little bit later, you see them talk about Obed-Edom again. And they start listing the doorkeepers at the temple. And Obed-Edom is listed as one of the doorkeepers. He lived away from there. But once the presence of God, the glory, had come upon his house, once that presence was there, when they started moving that presence, he packed up his stuff. He said, I got to go. And he followed the presence of God into Jerusalem. Amen. He followed that presence. Some of y'all wrapping up. I'm I'm distracted. I'm going to have to go over here and fix this before y'all get cold. We don't want any frozen chosen in the house. (laughs) Amen. You can't can't have the frozen chosen in the place. All right, let's let's bump that a little bit. That one may be on. Yeah, let's see what's on. All right, let's turn it off. Oh, there you go. Thank you, Pastor. You're welcome. Okay. But here they are moving the glory out of the house of Obed-Edom. And you get into Jerusalem and you get near the courts of God and you get to where the Ark of the Covenant is. And they talk about the choir singing. Well, Obed-Edom, he signed up for the choir. And then they start listing the doorkeepers. And Obed-Edom, he signed up to be a doorkeeper. Amen. He said, I'll tell you what. I know where I've been and I know the blessing that was there. But man, when it comes between choosing about where I used to live and being in the presence of God, I got to pack up my stuff and I got to go to where the presence of God is. I've got to be where that presence is. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, wherever I got to go. He said, man, I'll even sing in the choir. Man, I'll even be a doorkeeper at the house of the Lord if that's what it takes to be in the presence of God. Amen. They had to travel to get there and we have the presence of God right within us, right there for us to tap into. And I think sometimes we'd value that presence more if we had to labor a little harder. Amen. But thank God, that glory that lives within us. I'm about finished right here. Okay, so he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Obed-Edom said the same thing. Then he said, the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will, let's not say this too quickly. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace. We know that. And glory. 
Ah. The Lord will give grace. Oh, I know He's gracious. I know He's willing to give away grace. But did you know He gives away glory? I've been praying that God put glory on my house. Glory on every blade of grass. Glory on the fence. Glory on my children. Glory on my grandchild. Glory on the business. Glory on the church. Glory on my car when I'm driving down the road. Glory on the bank account. God not only gives grace, He gives glory. And no good thing will He withhold from them that walks uprightly. Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in Thee. Stand with me tonight. Hallelujah. One day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. My heart longs for you. My heart longs for you. It even faints. My soul faints for the courts of the Lord. Amen. I know why you're here tonight. Amen. You came for Him. You came to step into His presence. You came with the hopes that before this service is over, you'd see Him. That you'd feel the brush of angels' wings. That perhaps the train of the King, the long flow of His robes, would brush you as He passes by. Isn't that why you're here? Amen. In route, on the way, to the courts of God. God, I want to get to your courts today. I want to get to your courts tonight. Lord, if I can't get to your courts tonight, I at least want to drink from the springs. <laughs> Lord, I at least want to receive. I think sometimes we think we've gotten in the glory and all we've done is drink from the springs. Amen. In other words, I believe there's more yet that we've not seen. There's more yet that we've not tasted of. There's more of Him. And you know what? As much as we desire to get a piece of Him and a part of His glory, even more, He wants to give that grace and that glory. He wants to give that glory to you. You know, the Bible said that my God shall supply all your need according to the riches in glory. In glory. He didn't say the riches in glory land. He's not talking about the riches in heaven. He's talking about the riches that are in the presence of God. Amen. It's rich in His presence. Are you ready? Let's come to Him. Let's come to Him. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.